Welcome to episode 11 of Adventures. Um, I'm here with Glenn Duran. Glenn Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hello. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Glenn Obi yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> and Robbie Alstrom, who is Robbie Alstrom on Twitter. And we're going to talk to Robbie in depth about her experiences as a reader. She is a reading consultant at ESDAC. And her personal experiences and then why she went from a secondary teacher into um, a reading specialist. Good morning. Robbie. Yes. Your personal reading experiences, your early learning experiences, what were they like? Um, I I have to admit that I read very early, that um, I actually learned to read in church And every Sunday, my father would do the finger under the lines in the hymnal. And so really by kindergarten, I was reading the church hymnal. So reading just came easy to me. It came natural to me. Um, So reading difficulties were something that really were not on my roadmap originally at all. And so early on, you said, okay, I'm going to... You went to, you were a great student. I'm going to assume that you were a good student. You didn't struggle through school at all. Um, You decided, hey, I'm going to go to college and start a family and met Tom, who happens to be the superintendent um, at Halstead. Awesome guy, likes beef jerky. (laughs) Side note. Um, But you went into secondary. And why did you choose secondary? And then how did things shift? Well, you know, life is never a straight line. And um, my my major was actually behavioral science, and I had planned to go into counseling. Um, But at that point, I had taken a lot of summer school. I I loved school, but I needed a break. And so um, I got a teaching job teaching English and really had planned that at some point I would go on and um, go into counseling, go into something in psychology someplace um, but uh, Fort Hay State offered uh, a master's in English for in-service teachers where you got to do your reading and writing during the school year and attend classes during the summer. And so I went ahead and got my master's in ELA and then just kind of got stuck teaching English and um, really did not pursue the, the counseling or psychology route. Did you find it... Um... Did you enjoy it or was it just something to do? Oh, no, I, I love I love literature. I love the layers. I love the complexity of it and really digging into it. Um, so some people might call me a bit of a snob, but I would rather read Russian authors, you know, than the latest, you know, um, young adult fiction coming out because um, I, I like that complexity and the craftsmanship of literature. And you have to admit there's a lot of psychology in literature as well. So where did that, I just want to throw this out there, I know you, but you're fascinating to talk to because you explain things. And I mentioned earlier, it seems like you should have a white coat on and a clipboard or something like a scientist. Where, where'd that come from? Uh, my dad was actually a college professor. Um, that's a really great story. If you want to hear that, he actually dropped out of school with a seventh grade education Um, His older brothers had been drafted into World War II, and he dropped out of school to run the family farm. Um, He was drafted at the end of World War II, um, but so anyway, he actually went to to college um, on the GI Bill. He got a GED, 
So this is a man with a seventh grade education. Um, he was actually accepted to college on academic probation and was told if you get any grade below a C, you're, you're done. And um, so he was a college professor for 30 years. Um, he taught botany, genetics, all of that. And honestly, um, you know, family vacation was botany 101. And so a lot of science learning, um, my dad and my sister would discuss their cadavers at the supper table. Um, so it really just was a kind of a sciencey home that I was raised in. So research is very important to me. Um, one of my earliest learning memories was that um, correlation does not mean causation, believe it or not, in research. Um, and my dad likes to tell the story that I was about to get a spanking one time, and he made the mistake of asking if I had anything to say for myself. And I told him that I was a product of my genetics and my environment and that he was responsible for both. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little warped, um, but yes, I was raised by a scientist. So, um, but his love of learning, you can tell that he shared that love of learning with all of his children. Um, so even though I only took the bare minimum of science classes, I feel like I, I'm well grounded in science and research. Wow, that's really interesting. It's so <laughs> funny. funny. So did you still get that spanking? I did not. <laughs> so you earned that one. I did. That was that was awesome. Again, I don't remember that. That's just a story my dad used to tell. So well, yeah. he obviously <laughs> remembered it well. So then, you have three children. Yes, and unlike you, um, reading did not come extremely naturally. And absolutely, it, how, how did that? How did you one discover that? issue was it all three was it one were they all different yeah. well my, my oldest child Kaylee um, was a very very bright very curious learner um, and she spoke incredibly early at um, at nine months she said baby Jesus and Christmas tree so you know really a little surprised in school when she's having difficulty learning to read um, because she spoke so early and, I mean, in, in sentences, you know, by a year. Um, and I can remember one time when she was in second grade and, you know, we every night, you know, she'd bring home her book and would read it to me. And she came to the word the, T-H-E, and she paused. And I have to admit that I lost it just a little bit with my second grader. And I said, the word is the, T-H-E, the, it's the here, it's the here, it's, it's the, like 10 times on every page. Why can't you remember the? Um, and so a year later, she was referred for, for testing. And um, we found out that indeed she does have a pretty significant reading disability. Um, and so I'm pretty sure that she's going to be in therapy someday and that it's all going to be my fault because I yelled at her in second grade. And my answer is going to be, oops, didn't know. Um, I, I didn't really understand it because I was such a, a good reader and because reading came easy that I really was a little bit surprised by it. Um, this was 20 years ago. And at that time, their answer for a, a reading disability was to send her for vision therapy. And so we did, she went to vision therapy, I can't remember, it was two or three days a week, um, rather expensive, time consuming. 
and it really did not improve her her reading. And and we know now that um, there really is no research that supports vision therapy or colored overlays for a reading difficulty. Um, but as a parent, you're willing to try anything to help your your child. And that really is the point where I started um, trying to learn everything that I could learn about reading, how the brain reads, what is the research, um, what are the underlying causes of that difficulty, really in order to help um, my own child. So were you teaching at that point in time? I was not teaching at that time. I actually took off about 13 years from teaching to raise children. So you were a stay-at-home mom during that time, and you decided you're going to learn about reading. Yes. I started attending conferences, um, reading research, um, getting a hold of whatever books I could. Um, one of my greatest resources at the time were some um, speech-language pathologists, um, really getting down to the, the phonology, and we know that the phonemic awareness really is that critical underlying piece. Um, and from there, my, my first training in reading was um, Orton-Gillingham training. Um, and so that really is where my background is with the reading. And I really did it in order to help my own children. So I'm just trying to think, where did, where did you start? I mean, what kind of resources out there were there for you to start with? On that. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of that um, came from, you know, just doing searches and um, getting on to, uh, again, you know, the computer, you can get newsletters from different places and starting to sort through all of that. And that really was the time uh, where we really moved from seeing a reading difficulty as a problem with the visual field to one of phonology and the sounds of the language. And so that's where a lot of the speech pathologist um, things that were coming out at the time were really very guiding for me. And um, up until that point, um, Kaylee had had um, reading instruction that was whole language, which we know is not going to benefit our, our students with dyslexia. And so uh, my husband, Tom, as you mentioned, was a superintendent, and um, he was kind of instrumental in starting um, a, a consortium, a countywide consortium of schools to really look into what is the best research and what do we be, need to be doing in schools um, so that um, maybe a little bit too late for Kaylee, but it did help my, my second child um, of getting a good solid phonics program in the school that would be beneficial. So did she end up with a special ed, I mean, with an IEP and going through that, or were you able to remediate at home? You know, it, it was interesting because um, uh, both of my children, um, Kaylee and Seth, are, are gifted LD. And with Kaylee, you know, the thought was that that, um, that um, special education label would be detrimental and so the plan was that she was going to receive um, services both for her strengths and her weaknesses through the gifted program. And um, that happened for a while, but um, she experienced a lot of turnover in gifted teachers, so that was not something that was consistent. So uh, with Kaylee, a lot of it really was, um, you know, doing things at home, working with her at home, at least just no understanding what those struggles were. Um, now with Seth, um, we, 
I think that might have been a mistake of not having her receive those services. And I know that we always have those conversations about the impact of that label on a child. But I also know that the sooner that you can get help, the, the better. And so, you know, Seth um, was one of those students who went to one teacher for um, reading help and then another teacher for gifted. Um, so two different approaches. And I would say that I don't think um, either one has been um, damaged by being labeled um, with a reading disability. Um, I, I like to tell the end of the story for, for both of my children, but, um, you know, Kaylee, um, her senior year, she read Beowulf out loud to her senior English class. And, you know, she's done a lot of things I'm very proud of, but that is one of the moments that really does stand out to me as, as being a moment that I was very proud. Number one, that she had the courage to read in front of her class, but of how far she, that person came from in second grade struggling with the word the. Um, she has a degree in English education. She has a master's in special education. And really, um, I think the message to my children was always, um, your, your reading disability is, it's never an excuse. You might have to work differently. You might have to work longer. You might have to work harder, but it's never an excuse for not accomplishing things. And we always did talk about um, people who, um, who also struggled with reading, who had accomplished great things in their lives. So today, if a, a parent's out there and their child has a reading disability, where can they start now? Yeah, I mean, is totally different or just, again, do the research? Um, oh, absolutely not. Um, we, we know the research. We know what works. Um, and, and most parents now are, are working jobs and they're keeping up with activities. Um, but that is one of the things that we have done here at ESDAC, kind of off the books, is to provide, number one, some assessment. Um, one of the things that we really like to stress to, to, to parents and to teachers is that no two reading disabilities are alike and that we really want to do some assessment that really targets what is going to work for, for this student. And um, so absolutely, parents, if, if you're concerned, um, you know, we often, and, and I say we because Jane Seward has such a passion for teaching children to read that um, there have been instances where she has spent as much time as I have to get the resources together for a parent to do with, with a child. Um, but we, we really want to be sure, number one, that, that teachers, you know, are delivering good instruction, that we know what that looks like, we know how to target, you know, what a student needs, but also more than willing to reach out to any parents um, that have questions. And how can they get a hold of you? Um, they can call ESDAC, <laughs> and Pam will put them in contact with me. Any last, last words? No, I was going to ask her about letters. Oh, okay, go ahead. And how letters, um, you do a letters training. I am not well versed about letters, but how did you get into the instruction of letters and how is it crucial in instruction of literacy? Absolutely. And so letters stands for language essentials for teachers of reading and spelling. Um, and at the time, I was actually working as a secondary reading interventionist. So I was in a school where I had students from 6th through 12th grade who were below benchmark in reading. And, um, you know, 
delivering instruction for them, as well as working with teachers to help them with um, literacy and struggling readers in their classes. And this is when um, Tazen um, made the opportunity available to get training to be a letters trainer. And so through that position that I had at that school, um, got the letters training. And I, I have to tell you, uh, have, I just learn new things all the time from, from letters. It really is a deep dive into reading, um, assessing reading, teaching reading, remediating reading. Um, and so it really has um, really added to my, my knowledge. So you're not just a teacher. You are a constant learner yourself. Absolutely. Yes. Remember my dad? Yes. You're yes. always, always learning something. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and people give me a hard time because that's, I enjoy reading, um, you know, brain research more than the novels that are out right now. So, um, yes, constantly learning more. You have on our store some products, and this is not just a plug. You are very passionate. You just don't create things. You're very passionate about what you have created. Explain a few things that you have on shop.sec.org. Um, one of the things that we have there is the 30 days of phonics. And in working with um, in, you know, s secondary students who are still struggling readers, we know that they, they still need phonics instruction. Um, we know that those kids who are dyslexic that have that severe reading difficulty will probably not learn to read um, adequately or fluently without some phonics instruction. But we really can't make it look like phonics instruction looks like in first grade. And so this is advanced phonics. Um, it's a subscription where um, every day Jamie is going to email you um, a little video with a phonics lesson um, that are going to be advanced things to help um, older struggling readers and things that will really help with the spelling as well. And then there's a deck of cards that goes with that. Um, another product that I have um, are the independent reader cards. And this really came about from classroom observations. And I would go into classrooms and, you know, teachers, would, the class would read something and the first question the teacher would ask is, what's the main idea of the story? And the kids are throwing out all these things that are nowhere close to the main idea. And I started asking myself, did I ever really teach my students how to find the main idea? Or did I just assume that because I know what it is that you can find it? And so I created the cards that really are, what are the things that you need to do in order to accomplish the, the Common Core Standards, basically? I can't tell you um, how many years I taught, you know, the novel, um, I'm drawing a blank right now, but I would always say, now, when you're reading chapter two, Lord of the Flies, sorry, okay. when you're reading chapter two, be sure you're looking for um, symbols because two of the major symbols are introduced in this chapter. I never once told my students, how do you actually determine what the symbol is? And so it, it's things like that. What really are the steps to take um, to be able to do those things? Now, do they have to attend a workshop to be able to understand or use or? They do not. Um, there are, if you attend a workshop, um, you know, you get some extra bonuses and some extra tools that, um, you know, um, that I don't own, so they're not a part of the package, but, um, and having those conversations with other teachers. Um, one of the things that I absolutely love about any workshop that I do is getting off track. 
And I know if any of my former students are listening, I know that they did this on purpose, you know, to try to get me (laughs) off track. So, um, but sometimes that is the greatest learning that we get is when we have participants that just have a question about something and we get to explore that as well. Well, that's essentially how you became a teacher too. And then specialized instruction because of two of your children. I mean, you technically have three children. Yeah. Bretta must not have had uh, reading issues growing up. She, she did not. But here's what what's interesting. Um, you know, I told you that, you know, someday Kaylee will be in therapy and it'll be oops, you know, didn't know. Um, Seth is the same way. And it's not that Seth didn't receive um, some good instruction. But the story I like to tell about Seth is I used to volunteer in his second grade classroom during phonics time. And uh, don't tell anybody. But um, I realized I didn't know phonics. So I took a college graduate level phonics class. And one day um, I had Seth check my homework for me. I asked him if he could check number two. And he, you know, he read it and he said, oh, mom, he said, that was a really good effort. You should be really proud of yourself. (laughs) He was channeling Mrs. Whiteman. Louise, if you're listening, channeling Mrs. Whiteman. And he said, but I noticed that you forgot to put your macron above the A, and you're trying to make this a blend, but it's really a digraph. So that was my second grader who has a reading disability. Um, And really, his intervention, though, for four years in special education was phonics. And he really wasn't a child who needed more phonics. Um, He is one of those that doesn't make the sight words. The orthographic mapping is what we call it. So again, that's another oops, you know, when he's in therapy. Um, Bretta was a reader, and so she would come to a word. She'd say, what's this word? I'd say, the word's astronaut, and she would read astronaut the next time she came to it. Uh, But what the research also indicates now is that phonics actually um, makes our good readers better readers. So someday, all three of my children will be in therapy. It will be all of my fault, and my answer will still be Oops, no. <laughs> so, and now you teach phonics. And now I teach yeah. phonics. Um, of course, if you're teaching older students, here's the, we never call it phonics. We call it linguistics or advanced word study. All right. We have to trick them into learning it. Well, <laughs> so we, well, I just thought of one last question. Okay. Because we got the story of how your kids will end up in therapy. But yes. you were a teacher, stay at home mom. And how'd you end up at ESDAC? What road led you here? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Well, the the reading lab, um, from there I went to teaching special education, and um, it was the letters training. So as a teacher, um, I did not have as much opportunity to do the letters training, and so it was really about making a decision. Um, It was either give up the, the letters training and training people with that and stay in the classroom um, or come to ESDAC and still be able to, to do that. And I love my job here. I, I love the professionalism. I love um, the expertise of the people who work here. I love the passion of the people who work here. But I do have to admit that I miss having students. Um, I, I haven't had workshop participants that I want to take home with me uh, <laughs> like I used to when I was teaching. Um, so, uh so I do appreciate every once in a while when you, we get to tutor some students or something. That's always fun. See, and I'm always afraid. I don't, don't want to give one more thing to do, but yet it is so exciting to help because, I mean, you're service-minded. Yes. You want to 
help yeah. kids read. You want to help adults read. There's many times adults have come in here and you have yeah. offered assistance. And, and, and I don't think that people realize that um, a, a reading difficulty isn't just an academic. It's not just a school problem. It impacts every aspect of your life. And um, I, I don't think people realize that. And, and Kaylee actually was a clarinet major when she started college. And, um, but, you know, at the college level, they expect you to be able to sight read. And again, mm -hmm. if you're dyslexic, sight reading is not something that comes easy to you. Um, and, and so it's just all, all these different pieces that go along with it. So really that passion for reading is not just about you uh, being successful in school. It really is about how that impacts your entire life. Well, Robbie, we appreciate you taking the time come in and sit down and have a little chat with us. Like I said, it's always interesting to sit down and talk to you. We will be sitting down with you again and digging deeper into reading. And we haven't even yet discussed your Praxis Prep and ESL services that you offer. And it all ties back into reading, doesn't it? It, it really does. And, and I guess the last plug that I'll put there is my, my father really did teach me this, this love of learning. Um, but my mother really taught me the love of the learner. And that's why I think my passion is always for our disadvantaged populations, our English learners, our kids who struggle with reading, our low SES. That really is where my heart is. All right. So go to events.esdec.org to check out what dates or workshops Robbie is offering here at ESDEC. And until next time. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Join us for the next episode, episode 12 of AdventureCast. Cast.